the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the Group of Five Deep Dive. I'm Mike Calabrese, joined as always by Mike Ionello. This is our special farewell episode to the 2023 college football season. And the big show, Colin and Stucky, they get to give out a gambling Heisman. So we were batting around some ideas. You know, do we call it the Gambling Davy O'Brien Award or the Maxwell? Well, we are here to unveil the Zappy Award given to the most profitable, the most impactful gambling-related person in all of college football at the G5 level. And without further ado, let me get to the nominees. As a surprise to absolutely no one, Diego Pavia, New Mexico State quarterback. The Aggies go 11-3 and against the spread. Pavia, a huge part of that. He finished 39th in total QBR, 3,700 total yards, 32 total touchdowns and orchestrated the upset of Auburn as a 25-point underdog on the road, on the plains. He had 236 total yards and three scores, and that one led New Mexico State in year one of Conference USA membership all the way to the Conference USA title game. Number two, this one brings me great joy, Graham Nicholson, place kicker, Miami, Ohio Redhawks. The Redhawks 10-3 against the spread this year. Really no offense to speak of outside of Nicholson, but he did the heavy lifting. 26 of 27 on field goals, including 10 of 11 from 40-plus yards. He's also the first G5 Groza Award winner since Cairo Santos from Tulane in 2012. And let's wrap it up with a fan favorite, at least in the Calabrese household, Kyrie Robinson, the San Jose State running back. The Spartans finished 8-3-1 and against the spread after just a horrific start to the season. They end up winning out, getting to 7-5. and They're now in the Hawaii Bowl, and Robinson was a huge reason why. Seven yards per carry, 20 total touchdowns. He was a sawed-off touchdown machine. No two ways about it. The five foot seven back was somebody who always had a nose for the end zone. He carried the Spartans offensively during the six-game win streak. I love the kid, and he wraps up our three finalists. What are your thoughts on our guys from New Mexico State? Miami, Ohio, and San Jose State. Yes, three incredibly worthy candidates. I will throw out uh, one honorable mention that could have made his way in. Zion Webb, Jacksonville State, 9-3 and three ATS, 8-4 uh, and four in their first season in FBS. Uh, he was great, too. But yeah, these three options, you know, obviously, Kyrie Robinson came up just short of cashing our, potentially cashing our big Mountain West Championship futures. Graham Nicholson, we mentioned it, cashed the MAC title futures for us, basically single-handedly announced a big run it back graphic, which you love seeing that for a kicker. But look, nobody has made us more money over the last five months than one Diego Pavia. I think we basically created this award just to give it to him. We basically created this award just to, you know, tell Stucky to shove it that we're going to give Diego our own award. I'm with Diego because screw you. You don't even need to bother with the envelope. 
This is like the, the David Stern frozen envelope. We know who we're picking. Go Diego, go. We know who's winning this award. I mean, am I spoiling anything? It's got to be Diego, right? The first annual Zappy Award does, in fact, go to Diego Pavia. Zappy, who threw for nearly 6,000 yards, an FBS record in 2021, 62 passing touchdowns. He lives on forever, and now Diego gets to be a part of that limited, <laughs> basically a party of one at this point fraternity. Welcome, Diego. Thank you so much for cashing so many winning tickets for us. Diego, Diego. BBOC is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, this show isn't just a Diego Pavia love fest. We're also going to get into a segment that we've deemed overachiever, underachiever. It's pretty simple. We're going to get into those teams that jumped over the bar for us this year in the G5 and those that limboed beneath it. I'm going to start with an overachiever. I picked them to win Conference USA, but I did not think that the Liberty Flames were going to be this good going all the way to the Fiesta Bowl. I think it's fair to say in the preseason there was questions, would Conference USA ever get a G5 team to a New Year's Six Bowl game, just based on their overall talent, top to bottom, the fact that they would need conference champions in the other G5 leagues to lose multiple games. They got that part of it. But also, they'd have to play perfect football and entertaining football to get the attention of the committee. And Jamie Chadwell is an expert in creating at least entertaining and palatable offensive football because, man, his offense is so much fun to watch. And Kyden Salter, I thought that his ceiling would be, you know, kind of how he played at, at times this year where he could go for three or four touchdowns, you know, pepper in a rushing touchdown. Not necessarily the most accurate passer in the world, but I figured we'd see that two or three times. And then we have a couple stinkers. You have some games where he tried to do too much. You know, he almost looks like a poor man's Patrick Mahomes at times, trying to extend plays, making, you know, wild throws on the sideline, all these different things. I figured that would come back to bite him. He was basically that top-end player the best version of himself for 13 games. And that's what what is pretty amazing to me, and that's why I've selected them as my overachiever here. The Flames, just in general, I think gave us a great football product for 13 weeks, which is difficult to do in college football. Usually people have that let down. So this is a combination between giving it to Salter and giving it to Jamie Chadwell. And also kudos to Liberty for retaining Chadwell. In a year where the coaching carousel was really heating up, there were some interesting P5 jobs available. Even, you know, jobs inside of the G5 that potentially could offer him more money, he's sticking with Liberty. So they're my overachiever for 2023. Who do you have, Ionella? Yeah, I got to go with UNLV. I got to go with the Rebels. Nine and four season. Not just do they overachieve on the field, but, you know, looking back on it, they got, I think they got so lucky that Bobby Petrino ditched them after two weeks to go to um, Arkansas. Well, no, he was with Texas A&M. Texas A&M, now Arkansas. But when he left for Texas A&M, and they brought in Brendan Marion. Their their offense was so creative, and I think that's what really helped them. Like I said, nine and four. They're they've only gone bowling twice since two thousand. And if they win their bowl game, they will have their first ten win season since nineteen eighty four, when they were a member of the Pacific Coast Athletic Association. Do you know who their coach was in nineteen eighty four? 
I do not. I know Randall Cunningham was doing double duty at quarterback and punter, but that's all I know about that running Rebel team. Harvey Hyde was the coach. So they have a chance to win 10 games for the first time since old Harvey Hyde in the Pacific Conference. So UNLV has to be my overachiever. Just an awesome year in Las Vegas. And I hope they keep it up. I hope they can keep Marion and I hope they, they keep it going because with this NIL stuff, and, you know, you've seen sports, like look at the way, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights, like the fans in, in Vegas are embracing. I'd love to see this UNLV team turn into like a little Mountain West hotbed. Viva Las Vegas. Wouldn't be an even-handed episode without, you know, balancing the overachiever with the underachiever. I'm going to go Georgia State. This was their year to sneak in in the Sun Belt East. Got off to a great start, went 6-1, and one, I believe, and then lost their last five games in a row. Granger was not consistent. Marcus Carroll was great, but now he's off in the portal to Mizzou. And the fact is, between Robert Lewis, Granger, and then Carroll, how did they lose so many games? And it wasn't just that they lost. I mean, you look at the the L's on their schedule. Georgia Southern, they lose by 17. James Madison crushes them by 28. Appalachian State beats them by 28, a matching 42 to 14 score. LSU kills them. You know, I'm going to forgive them there. And then they lose in the season finale at Old Dominion, 25-24. To me, this was the year because James Madison was in NCAA limbo. They weren't allowed to go to the Sun Belt title game, despite all their letter writing campaigns and you know getting the governor involved and attorney general and everything else this was the year to go number two and get there and try to make a statement and try to break through a a program that we like I mean we've been on the Panthers we bet them a lot in the last three years we believed in their coaching staff we believed in their core offensively and they just didn't, didn't get it done so it's a bit of an emotional plea for me as well because I was just shocked after such a promising start for them to fall apart yeah you can almost copy and paste what you just said to Marshall as well but I'm going to, you know, kind of double down on your overachiever and and further allow you to take a victory lap because while we tend to agree and see eye to eye a lot on this podcast, we went to war with each other in one of the conference previews and you stuck your your flag in Liberty and I stuck mine in Western Kentucky. And to me, the Hilltoppers were a massive underachiever in that we talked about what a cakewalk conference USA should have been. They should have been favored in every, I think they ended up favored in every game. Seven and five losses to Jacksonville State, lost to New Mexico State, crushed by Liberty, who they were viewed as equals basically coming into the year. They, I mean, they barely beat Sam Houston. So to me, not only just on the field, but how high I was, it was kind of a me underachieving as well. Um, we talked about, you know, Bailey Zappi ain't there anymore. So honestly, there was a lot of teams you could give. FAU is another one I thought of that was pretty disappointing. You can blame it on Casey Thompson getting hurt, but. He was pretty bad before that. I had pretty high expectations for them under Tom Herdman. So FAU and Marshall get honorable mentions for me, but Western Kentucky was my underachiever of the year. You see this a bit in power conference football where you look at Ohio State. They have that run of quarterbacks. They have the same head coach. And you say, all right, whoever's at QB is just going to absolutely eat, you know, between the system and the personnel on the perimeter. Kyle McCord's going to have a great year. And he doesn't. He proves just to be a B, B-plus quarterback. Austin Reed coming in for Zappi with all the coaching changes as well, play caller changes. They just never got back to that elite level. And every year, it seems like almost every game, 
they kind of went down and down and down. They just weren't as explosive, which is crazy considering Malachi Corley is, you know, the yak king. All you got to do is get him the ball on the perimeter. He's breaking tackles, going for long touchdowns. So I think the floor could really fall out from under Western Kentucky next year, losing Corley and losing Reed. So I, I think that's just a team to monitor that early in the season. People are going to look at them as like, hey, this has been a, a, bowl, a perennial bowl team really for the last four or five years with a fun offense. No more. It's crazy that you had like, we were so high on that trio of the Helton, Kitley, Zappy, and it could not have worked better. But now you look at it and it's like, Helen's had a bad year and you think he's on his way for another one. Kitley, like, is going to get run out of Texas Tech, it seems. Like, their passing offense was atrocious. You know, I don't know what expectations were for Zappy, but it's not like he's lighting up the NFL. I mean, he played pretty well in his last game, but he struggled pretty, pretty bad in the first two kind of two or three games he got action in so we'll see you know if he can continue to play well for the Patriots but it's it's kind of just weird where the three of them worked so well together and now on their own it's like all three are kind of struggling I would say like I mean Zappy I think is having the most success but yeah it's interesting it's almost like if Kitley gets fired from Texas Tech does the Hilltoppers bring him back because yeah they gotta figure it out because it it was that was just such a fun run It, it kind of sucks to see what's happened this year and potentially next year I think, I think Helton's kids like playing the bowl game. I think we'll have to check on that. Speaking of, two shout-outs. One to Stuck for putting together the tracker for all opt-outs, transfers, you know, getting ready for the senior bowl, coaching changes. And also a shout-out to you, Mike, for putting together the ongoing living document that is who's going to be playing quarterback for my school in the year of our Lord 2024. Not an easy thing to keep track of because when one domino falls, it seems to have this ripple effect throughout college football. So. That's something that you're updating. You said, is it on a daily basis at this point? Yeah. I mean, twice a day based on the news, pretty much. It's cool to track, like, to try to get ahead of, like, um, you see it every year with the either the lower level power five guys looking for a fresh start or even some power five backups that, you know, I'm kind of interested to see, you know, where some of these names take us because, you know, you've got. Wake Forest, like Mitch Griffiths just left Wake, and now he just committed to Marshall. You know, we talked about Cam Fancher being in the portal. And then you have some, you know, Florida State, A.J. Duffy uh, just transferred. I forget where he ended up now. But A.J. Duffy's, you know, just transferred to a G5 school. And you have, you know, Rutgers backup just went to Temple. And you kind of have that, like, all right, we think of them as bad because they're playing in the, you know, Big Ten or SEC, but can they have success at the lower level? Because we've seen it time and time, you know, We've seen guys drop down at Rocky Lombardi and immediately win a conference title. So I, that's what my favorite part about doing it is like, to me, the tracker is not helpful for like, oh, Will Rogers is going to Washington because like everyone on the planet is tweeting about it. So people know that. So I think it's it's for our pod listeners who who love these teams. Like to me, that's where it's the most helpful from is like, all right, you know, Michael Pratt's leaving Tulane. Who's going to be Tulane's quarterback next year? They don't have it yet. But like as soon as it's, it's somewhere, I'll find it and I'll put it in there for you guys. So that's kind of, I do more for our listeners, but obviously I put the big guys in there too to get the clicks. I know our listeners can't wait to find out where Hank Bachmeyer has transferred. Don't worry. He isn't dead. He's not in witness protection. He's at Wake Forest. So you're going to have to move up to the power five level to watch him uh, throw for 1800 yards and then get injured next year. I can only assume. Shout out, shout out to uh, Pete Rudin, our editor in chief who edited my thing. He did censor me a little bit. Because I actually wrote word for word, <laughs> former Boise State and Louisiana Tech quarterback Hank Meyer transferred into Wake Forest, but he sucks, so they still need an upgrade. 
Pete edited it to former Boise State and Louisiana Tech quarterback Hank Bachmeyer transferred in, but the Deeks could still do better. Yeah, I mean, that's what you get with a, a big J, capital J, journalism degree. So, you know, trying to be even-handed in that regard. I wouldn't say big J. He went to Iowa. So, Oh, oh boy. Hey, listen, Pete, that those things that are being espoused on this podcast are only Mike hey, Ionello's opinions. Don't worry. I don't want the Iowa hey, you know, beehive coming after me. Pete, Pete's not going to take offense because they don't have that at Iowa. <laughs> Apologies, Iowa. Sorry, Pete. All right, folks, it's bowl season, and no one wants to waste any time shopping for groceries, and that's where our new sponsor, HelloFresh, comes in. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make some home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh has over 45 recipes and more than 100 seasonal add-on items to choose from every week, so it's easier than ever to find something everyone will enjoy. They also offer more than just dinners. They've got breakfast, lunch, that can all be ready to eat in just about 10 minutes. Plus, satisfying snacks both adults and kids will love. I'm excited to get some of these meals and try them soon. Now the HelloFresh has hopped in to sponsor BBOC, and our listeners are getting an incredible deal out of it as well. Go to HelloFresh.com slash free and use code BBOCFREE, that's B-B-O-C-F-R-E-E, for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash free with code BBOC free. Thanks to HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. I need HelloFresh with, with baby coming. It'll be nice to not have to go to grocery shopping and stuff. That'll, yeah, it, that'll it, be pretty convenient to me. Matt Mitchell, get get some of those over to me because that's going to come in handy for, for your boy pretty soon. Yeah, you're going to be in the foxhole with the new baby and the wife. So I hope that that food gets to you as soon as possible. And HelloFresh, as a, a user for years, I use them in New York City. I use them now, you know, living in the suburbs. It comes really fast. So all you got to do is order. It's at your doorstep before you know it. All right. We are going to wrap up here with some final thoughts on the 12-team playoff that is going to debut next season, which is going to give a seat at the table to the highest-rated Group of Five champion. So instead of needing to go like 23-0 and over two years as UCF and, you know, unsuccessfully tried to do and then Cincinnati successfully did, you know, knocking the door down, now all you got to do is climb over all of those G5 champs on the way up the ladder probably go undefeated and then you're going to get an opportunity to either host a game or have to go on the road and play your way into you know from the 12 to the 8 to the 4 to the national championship game so i'll start with you Ianello. who's the g5 team that you're most bullish on for 2024 to get to that first 12 team playoff yeah i'm going with one you might not expect me to say uh i'm going with memphis i think you know I you look at memphis the, yeah did you you look at the aac and you got you got SMU leaving. You got Tulane changing coaches. You got Michael Pratt gone. You got UTSA losing Frank Harris. So you kind of have the big dogs in the AAC out of the way. And for the Tigers, you got Seth Hennigan back for his fourth season as a starter. He just continues to get better. Blake Watson has another year of eligibility. Rock Taylor and Demi Blankumsee are both returning. And we've seen Memphis do this before. You know, they reached the Cotton Bowl under Mike Norvell. Um, that was the game they lost to Penn State, where Johnny Brown had like 200 yards, and Micah Parsons was. Micah Parsons had maybe one of the best defensive games I've ever seen a defender have. Um, but you know they had two 10 win seasons under Norvell. They had a 10 win season under Justin Fuente. So they, they're in such a good spot for recruiting as well. I think they have. They're just they have such a good access to talent. When you look, I was looking through their recruiting classes. So they were second in the AAC 
last year's recruiting class. Uh, fourth in 2022, only behind Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston, who are all gone. Second in 2021, behind Cincinnati, who's gone. So you look at it, they basically had the top class in the conference the last three years. So, yeah, Memphis is my pick, especially next year with Hennigan back. I mean, can they just get any stops is going to be the key because they can outscore everybody. So it'll just come down to over the offseason, they throw some money at some, basically what SMU did. If they can throw some money at some power five defenders and turn the defense to league average, I think Memphis can win the AAC next year. And typically we'll see the G5 representative come from the American, I think. So give me Memphis. I like what they're doing over there. I'm going to go a little bit gutsier and it's going to require them to do some work in the transfer portal, but you brought it up this idea of, uh, you know, lower tier power five quarterback, or perhaps an upper tier backup who's just buried on the, the, uh, the depth chart UTSA from a program building perspective to me has done really as good of a job as you possibly can. And now they go ahead and they retain their head coach. And I understand they're losing Dr. Frank Harris, but when you look at the stats this year, they weren't uh throw the ball 40 times a game team anymore. All of a sudden, they turned into a balanced offense. They weren't overly reliant on Harris. And that's why I think they're one B-plus quarterback get in the portal away from being, you know, one of the co-favorites in the AAC. And if you are one of the co-favorites, you know, when you look at Conference USA, what they have coming back, what the MAC has coming back, it's really going to be the AAC, the Sun Belt, or the Mountain West. And I think there's going to be a lot of roster turnover in the Sun Belt. There's some coaching turnover in the Mountain West. I think the AAC is perfectly primed for a team like UTSA to come, you know, to elevate their game. They were right there. If they don't turn the ball over five times in the season finale against Tulane, they go to the AAC title game in their very first year. They had won back-to-back Conference USA titles. So I think this program has the experience. I think they have the buy-in from the community. Let's see if they have any NIL money, you know, in the couch to to go get themselves a starter. Because if they can, if they can spend, you know, 500 grand to get the right kid in the door. I think they're not necessarily one player away, but the way that they built themselves up, I think they're primed to be in the conversation. Yeah, I like that thing. I think, you know, we talked about this last year and I'm interested to see this year going forward. I think it's still a little early because I think guys want to wait to see where the power five guys go first. But we saw last year with, you know, that while the portal can sometimes suck for the G5 where, you know, you lose the top guys. I think we see that happen a little bit more at like wide receiver where you mentioned with the end, I think the NIL is good for G5 because it's like, are you going to get paid more, you know, some, every college has money. You mentioned, it. are you going to get paid more to be UTSA starter or to be Ohio state's backup, you know? Right. And you, you think about too, like last year we saw it with, you know, to keep Frank Harris, you know, we had, we had Frank Harris, Michael Pratt, Grayson McCall, all kind of flirt with the portal. And I assume they got paid to stay. And, you know, Austin Reed came back, not that that didn't work, but he got a red Corvette to stay. So I'm very curious if we'll see, you know, Byron Brown, I'm assuming he got a back to stay at South Florida. I'm curious if we'll see, you know, now that um, Curtis Rourke committed to Indiana, which, you know, does Jordan McLeod get a bag to stay at JMU? Like some of these guys that jumped in the portal, I think we could see them stay. 
so I, I I'm be I'll be interested to see is you know selfish plug keep it keep your eyes out on my QB tracker, but I'm curious to see you know which G five guys that can maybe consider we, we've heard the rumors with UNLV with Jaden Maiava who has not gotten in the portal. Uh, Temple's another one. Like, does Temple throw a bag at EJ Warner to get him to stay? I don't know how much money Temple has, but you got to think they're trying to get him to come back. So I'm, I'm interested to see as the as the offseason progresses, how many of these G5 guys return, and then how many kind of wishy-washy Power 5 guys can make more being a G5 starter than a Power 5 backup. So I, I think if these teams can use NIL to their advantage, we'll see kind of those those teams will still be able to stay good quickly. So I'm excited. I think it's good for the G5. All right, it's the holiday season. That also means that it's thank you season here on BBOC as we wrap up the G5 podcast for the year. I'd like to thank you, Ionello, for all the great work and research you've done. I couldn't have been the conductor of the Pavia podcast <laughs> locomotive without you. We rode together. We were pulling people off the platform, getting them on the train, and and really, you know, going through some of these games that you have to watch on ESPN Plus, that you have to watch on stadium streaming, and you think to yourself sometimes, is anyone else watching this? And I always know I could text you, and you'd be like, I can't believe this guy sucks. And I'd always be like, okay, all right, let, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's pump some positivity into it. But I couldn't do the show quite literally without you. So I appreciate you. I appreciate David Payne, our producer on the back end. You're doing a good job, David. Putting together all the sound drops, talking us through, you know, the ad reads, everything that gets done on the video side as well. Our video team at Action Network does a phenomenal job. We can't thank them enough. Our esteemed main producer, Matt Mitchell. Okay, and last but not least, Uncle Mitch. Pulling the strings from the top of the podcast, and that's across all of our shows. The Recap Show, the new BCS, the G5 Show, the main show with Colin Stuck. So many, you know, new moving parts this season. Bring in Tim Kalinowski. I really loved working with him on the player props on Fridays. We'll bring that back for uh, a couple bowl episodes as well. So check that out over on YouTube. But I just want to say thank you to the entire team and also to Colin and Stuck. Those guys are cool. Who, if they weren't driving the main boat, no one would be able to follow here. We're just jet skiing behind them. So really appreciate everything that they've done, building the brand you know, just particularly on Stuck's side, just print winners. The, the guy knows trash football, as he likes to affectionately call it, better than anybody. And the Mac, his Mac manifesto, both in the preseason and during the season as well. There's so many great things and Easter eggs within this program that get created because we have a great team. So that was a long way of saying thank you to everybody that I work with and thank you to the listeners. Um, we had a big bump this year in listenership. We had, you know, just the first batch of numbers come through for the whole year. The big thing that stuck out to us was that people were engaged. They were listening to the majority of every single episode. They were coming back. We saw it in our comments on on you know Apple iTunes, our comments on YouTube, people you know DMing us throughout the year. We really appreciate it. The show doesn't exist without the fans and without this burgeoning community. So thank you so much. Yeah, I'll, I'll you know second everything you say. You know, shout out you know our producers Colin and Stock. You get just I mean. Look at some of the numbers Colin put up. Colin had a monster season betting this year. You know, I tell him a ton. He made everyone who listens so much money. Stucky as well. Just, I don't know how Stucky's brain even works the way he does. I mean, to be able to come up with NFL and college winners the way he does it. And, you know, yeah, Stucky probably has a monster here too. He doesn't fade Diego every week. But other than that, he was money. So the two of them are geniuses. And, you know, half the, half the stuff we say, we're, we're you know, getting from them i use colin's numbers and everything i do as well so they're so helpful for us that you know they kind of if i have questions i can text them and they'll they'll help me out 
And yeah, I love doing this pod with you. It's so much fun, you know, living closer to you now and, you know, be able to go over for dinner and have dinner with your wife and kids is so much fun. And you mentioned it that to me, my favorite part about this show is the listeners, the fans. We have such a cult following as such a, like, you know, we pride ourselves in being the little guys and being like, we, you know, yeah, we have less listeners in Stock and Colin, but, you know, Breezy was telling me like our listeners listen the whole show and they listen every week and like our numbers don't go up and down because it's a big oh alabama's playing georgia this week the number everyone's gonna like no our listeners ride or die with us from day one and there's nothing that brings more joy to my heart than seeing you degenerate lunatics you know <laughs> play the diego song in your in your freaking living room and we you know when me and breeze watch the conference title game together our phones or our wives are like, what the hell are you two doing? Because our phones would not stop buzzing every time New Mexico State scored. We e we each get tagged in 50 tweets being like, Diego, 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 Diego. It's like, it's, it makes me so happy. The amount of tweets I'm getting being like, you have to name your child Diego. I keep, I'm like, I had to like, I'm like Dana. I'm getting a lot of pressure on here. She's like, the internet's not real. I'm like, but the fans <laughs> are. And they're going to like, there's a part of me that's like, I want him to be born before the game. So I don't have like the pressure of like, shit we may not we may have i had two people like arguing on my my mentions today of uh, one's like you got a name diego and someone's like no he already ricky ronnie already claimed that <laughs> the name so i'm like I, we might have to have a conversation with my with my wife about that but our listeners are the best we do it every year you know from zappy to to diego thank you guys so much for listening thank you for following our picks thank you for just being here for the fun the ups and downs i think we do a pretty good job of giving out winners but this pod has never been about like we're going to help you make more money. It's like, no, we're going to help you have fun while you win. I think we do a really good job at that. And our listeners are the reason why. So like Bree said, thank you guys so much for everything. And hopefully we'll be back again next year. The last part here, you talked about winners. Uh, as is tradition, I like to give out a parlay to Ionello, David, who was our producer, and Matt Mitchell. They each took one leg. So I want to share that with the audience. This three leg pays plus 620. We got Air Force money line. Northwestern plus seven in the Las Vegas Bowl against Utah. And Ionello's contribution, the farewell game for Craig Bowl, minus 148 on the money line against Toledo. As I said, all three of those together pay plus 620. So also, uh, tail, you should tail too. Real quick, uh, special shout out to David Payne. David Payne, DP, for playing a very good little prank on me and Calabrese. He, mailed, he, he lives in New Mexico. And he mailed us both, I'm holding it up for, on YouTube, New Mexico State Aggies pennants that we both got in, with a little index card that said, Go Aggies, signed DP. And Calabrese got it first, and he texted me, and he's like, DP, wait, you know what I'm saying? And I had a second where I was like, holy shit. And then, and then it hit me like five minutes later, and you texted David, and he, he did fess up clearly. But there was a split second where we both were like, Dude, did Diego just send us pennants? So shout out to David Payne. Thank you for the pennant, but also for a hilarious little almost gotcha moment there for us. Legendary prankster and my personal hero. I look forward to like four years from now when Diego washes out of the CFL and he's on LinkedIn looking to connect. Can't wait to connect with you, buddy, when you're a business <laughs> development rep for some uh, startup. So there's time in the future for us to be best friends. It doesn't have to be right now. For Mike Ionello, I'm Mike Calabres. This has been the Group of Five Deep Dive under the BBOC banner. We will be back next season with more Group of Five action. You can also check out all of the bowl 
it, you know, previews that Colin and Stuck are putting together. They already have a few out. They're going to keep coming in the next two weeks. They want to get you information closer to kickoff, as well as a huge show previewing the national title game. And as I've teased before, there's going to be a lot of college basketball content I'm going to be a part of with Stuck in the coming weeks as well. So make sure to refresh your podcast feeds because BBOC steams along into 2024. Thanks so much for listening. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER. Oh.